Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We look at what happened in the markets today. Obviously, the corn and the wheat saw some higher numbers. Soybeans kind of had a bit of a struggle. So how does corn and bean markets look at this time? And what are the funds playing into it and demand as well? We'll look at exports and China. And the big question everybody wants to know, is there a bottom going on in this corn market? We're going to get all the details today from Jeff Peterson. Jeff is with Heartland Farm Partners. And Jeff, we've got some heavy hitters today on this uh, discussion. Let's start out with the corn and the bean market. What are you looking at right now? Well, Susan, it was great to see the move we saw today, you know, a little bit weaker in the soybean side than we'd like to see. But in the end there, it didn't close too bad, but a good strong move on the corn and over on the wheat side. Big picture, if you just sit back and look at it and go, you know, these markets have had a lot of pressure because of COVID, because of the challenges we've had with ethanol and and just overall this this wave of negativity that we've had out there over the market. And it's pushed it down. And we're finally getting to, into some areas and also that time of year where there can be some surprises that can happen. And not to say we can't see lower prices down the road, but overall we're getting to a point. I think we've got the funds that have been pressuring this market. And, and it was good to see finally to see a bounce in here, Susan. So as you look at this and, and obviously seeing some positives today in the numbers for the corn, does that mean that possibly we've got a bottom going on in this market? Well, as you sit back and, and I think with the bottoming action, I, I think we could be. Um, from a technical standpoint, um, we look at the weekly charts and we also look at the daily charts. I, I'd say we, we have the technical formation that's setting up to where we could have a bottom. The only problem we've got is from the fundamental standpoint, we've got a uh, tremendous amount of old crop corn and we've actually got more old crop probably supply as we go down the road. I think the ending stock numbers will get bigger on the old crop. And then as, as we look forward to the 20 crop and we see no first estimates last month in the WASD report, you know, as you start having ending stocks up over 3 billion bushels, then all of a sudden that gets you negative and concerned for down the road. So I think we could have a short-term bottom developing, Susan, but keep in mind longer term down the road, I, I still think we'll see lower prices as we come into the harvest time unless we have some problems develop as we go through the growing season. So that makes me think that now is the time that we, if we haven't done so, to really sit down with somebody and talk about what your marketing plan is going to be the rest of this year. Yeah, it really should be. This is a great time to go in, and it's a great time to calculate your break-evens. Now, the thing I would say about that is that, honestly, the problem will be is we probably won't get a chance to sell above our break-evens this year. So we're going to have to think about, you know, how does our ARC or PLC, how do those other programs fit into your marketing plan, and what kind of revenue are they going to bring? Because this year, if you think about trying to get profitable, it may not all come from just the price you sell. It, it may be you having to make a decision to sell and then also being able to come in and pick up on on the PLC payments or the ARC payments, depending on which one you selected to be able to get yourself to a price that may at least give you some cash flow, may not help you advance forward a lot, but at least help you kind of keep uh, be ahead and be ready for the next year's game. So are the funds playing at all? Any of this impact of both corn and beans? Yeah, they are. If you sit back and look at the fund position, and starting first on the corn side, you know, they've, they've got the second largest uh, short position on. And what's unusual about that, Susan, is the time of year we're coming into, usually we'd see them maybe starting to, to buy back some of that position now going in, because seasonally we have some problems that come in. But they, they haven't done too much of that. They may have started doing some of that today. Something else interesting, though, is that over the last three weeks, they've actually sold about 450 
um, million bushels worth of corn. And the positive part about that is that actually, you know, you think about how this corn market's been trading, we actually moved the market just slightly higher. And so there was some willing buyers to step in there. But you've got the funds over a billion bushels short, so if they would get concerned or scared, they could come back in and buy back that position and we could see a run higher. But let's keep in mind, it is possible, even though it hasn't happened, uh, as we look back through history, and history takes us back through 2006 on the records on the fund position, they've never carried a short position all the way through into the fall. You could build a case this year, though, that if conditions stayed good enough, give us another two, three weeks down the row, weather was good enough, it didn't look like there was anything threatening, they may stay in that short. So that's why we really got to be on top of our toes here in regard to marketing those remaining old crop bushels and also being focused on the new crop. I saw in the weekly ethanol report, production was up about 61,000 barrels a day. Does that mean we're starting to see a pickup maybe in demand for ethanol and the corn? Yeah, we really are. 724,000 barrels per day is is what the number was. And and give you an idea, that's still down 31.5% from a year ago. But one of the observations that I like to go back to, I like to go back to that week ending March 13th and use that as a, a point of reference. And the reason I use that point of reference, Susan, is that that's really before a lot of our stay-at-home orders went in place. And if we look at where production is compared to then, um, production ethanol is down about 30%, and and gasoline demands down about 25%. But there's some positives. If you think about the problems we had on the ethanol industry side, is first of all, we created a problem with storage. Well, the good news is actually our storage right now at 23.177 million barrels, that's actually 5.8% lower than the, the amount of stocks we would have had going back there to that March 13th time frame. The other interesting part about that, Susan, is that's the lowest amount of ethanol stocks we actually had going all the way back to January 10th, long before we were having the problems, at least here in the United States, on the coronavirus. A few other positives that are coming into play is that oil's actually 7.2% higher than where the price would have been on the 13th of, of March, and RBOB gasoline's up about 12%. So we're starting to get prices back up. All we need to get to a little bit further here, get a little more demand so we can bring up the price of ethanol so we can get these plants positive and running harder, which I think they will. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue the conversation with Jeff Peterson. We're going to look at where we're seeing when it comes to export numbers, which means globally, what are we seeing when it comes to countries like China and Brazil? And a look at the feed demand as well. Part two is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue the conversation with Jeff Peterson of Heartland Farm Partners. And Jeff, let's cross the border. Um, look at export numbers. How are they looking when it comes to corn? You know, exports on corn have, have been good. and But we have to realize we've got a short window in here. And, and when I say a short window, the reason that's in place is that we know the Safrina corn crop will be coming off here as we start getting in the latter part of July into August. It's going to be hard for us to compete with Brazil. And so we've got a short window in here, but we are seeing some good demand show up on the export side. Um, we're also seeing that not only on the corn side, but over on the soybean side. As a result, on some of the rail shippers out there, what we're seeing is we are seeing that basis level improve. We're seeing the basis level improve at the ethanol plants. We're seeing the basis level also improve at some of the aggressive rail loaders as they're looking for bushels to you know, send out on export. So that's, that's a bright note so far. 
Why, and I thought this was an interesting point that you had brought up earlier, when we look at um, China and Brazil, why are they buying from Brazil when they could be buying from us cheaper and kind of fulfilling their part of the phase one? Yeah, that's a good question, and and it really kind of came to light yesterday. There was an article that came out that addressed, you know, the fact that China went ahead and bought about 10 cargoes of beans, and, and they actually are probably buying at a higher price, but we don't always know all the details coming out of South America compared to the U.S., and I think some of that really gets back to this whole thing. If you look at the relationship between between China and the U.S., I mean, there's tension in it, lots of tension in a lot of different areas from the COVID side between what's going on with Hong Kong and wanting to pass that National Security Act by China as it relates to Hong Kong, some you know some tension going on in the South China Sea and also with Taiwan. And all these things come together. And, and I think China knows down the road there's going to be additional, whether it be a trade war or trade tension, and, and they're trying to buy any and all soybeans that they can get. And they know, take them from Brazil now why they have them. That way, if they you know need to go without some beans for a while, something happens between the U.S. and and China down the road that they've got that supply there. So I think that's some of what we're seeing. Do you think, um, as you look at this and and the way the exports have been moving, and and the I know the thing with Taiwan that just happened, are we going to see maybe a little bit of a change of attitude and and the way the exports are moving? Well, I think so, and I think that's something we want to keep a very close eye on because as we go down the road, uh, the, the tension between between China and the U.S. is going to continue to increase. And as a result of that, you know, we, we still will be able to compete uh, on, on price, and, and we will get exports when prices and where the market. But what we have to remember is that from China's side, they're going to continue to, to look out there, in my belief, Susan, whether we're talking the phase one trade deal or not, they're going to be looking for the cheapest product out there. And and that's how they're going to continue to do it going forward. And they're going to continue to invest money in Brazil, as much money as they can to be able to help them increase their infrastructure because at the core, they don't want to be told what to do. You know, and as a result, as the U.S. steps in, and, and we saw that again yesterday uh, with some talk with uh, between China and the U.S. at the United Nations, and you know, the United at the United Nations, we were trying to put forth an act, and we had cases that they were not holding up things that China should be doing as it relates to human rights and security and transparency on the COVID, and and there rebuttal back was that, well, you know what, the U.S. is the troublemaker here. Why are they trying to push their policy and ideas on other people? So it's going to be a battle. Do you think um, feed demand with everything that's been going on, how is that going to change? Are we going to continue to see some decent prices for our livestock producers? Well, you know, that's interesting. Cutout values are coming down where we, based on the numbers we saw yesterday, how the daily estimated slaughter, you know, we ended up having hog slaughter up over 50, or 415,000 head, cattle slaughters up over 110,000 head. But honestly, the problem we've got there, I think, from the feed side, Susan, is the fact that, you know, we've backed up a lot of livestock. My numbers actually through last Friday would suggest that we actually have probably backed up about 1.2 million head of cattle and probably about 2.2 million head of hogs. And there's some people out there saying actually that number's closer to 3 million head of hogs. And as a result of that, what's happened is that, you know, a lot of those have been putting on maintenance 
ration, so to speak. So we haven't had our normal amount of feed demand there. And and we also know down the road, especially on the hog side, that we're not going to have the numbers down the road. They've had to, to control everything that's going on, they've had to, to go ahead and abort some pigs. So it's going to hurt our feed demand down the road. It's probably somewhere between 50 and 100 million bushels at least. So if you had old and new crop corn, would you sell here? Um, I would get ready to sell here. I wouldn't be a seller here today, whether it be corn or soybeans, but I would get ready. I'd get ready on the move that we end up having on here because here's the best way I can lay it out, Susan. If we're going to see a, a run in the corn market, it's going to have to happen over the next two to three weeks, three to four weeks based on some weather problems. If it doesn't happen then, then we're not going to see it and the market's going to drift down lower as we go into the fall. Lots of things to look at as we head into the last trading day of the week. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Jeff? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.